pop punk movies. Fancy, loosely, tether, show scene, short lumps, wild outstrings. Take a look round. Pop punk, the new sound. Lip rings are still here. We'll make it quite clear. Stunted male growth is the theme of this mini series on our Patreon. Okay, welcome back to What's My Age Again? Arrested Development in the Cinema of Pop Punk, the final episode. Thanks for sticking around. I hope the $15 you paid to get here was worth it. As always, my name is Shawnee Campion, and I'm joined by my filthy favorite, and once again, also filthy, co-host, <laughs> Alistair Bates. How are you, Batesy? I'm great, Sean. How are you? I'm wonderful. Now, as my text messages have led me to believe, you're doing this episode in the prone position. Is that correct? I have figured out how to record laying down, and let me just say, we are never going back to sitting at a desk. <laughs> I will be Rick Rubening it for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I'm kind of like got a Scott Storch vibe thing going on. I look in the mirror, I've got like full like coke bloat and like where did the years go? But then I hit the keyboard, baby. And that's where the magic happens. Have, have you ever seen that video of him like making a beat whilst getting his hair cut? No. Oh man, I'll send it to you after we record. It's so good. I'm so excited. <laughs> I've seen the one where he does the beat with his son in his lap, and oh, like, and he's just like getting his son to play the keys as well. He's like, my son gonna make a million dollars. It's like Scott. Uh, do you remember what happened when you had a million dollars, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> Bad things happen, buddy. <laughs> now that we've got a third guest in the room, we are joined by the delightful Maurice. Maurice, how are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, we are fantastic. As we've just said, can you please <laughs> fucking keep up? <laughs> now, Maurice Santiago is a genre-bending artist from Sydney, Australia. In previous years, he's done stints in Wollongong hardcore bands, post-punk bands like Sydney's Death Bells, house music with his moniker George Michelle. But he's got a new project, which is one of the most prolific acts in Australia right now, Heart Eyes. Let's go. Let's fucking go. You've done two <laughs> mixtapes in the last 12 months, Joyride the Stars and even Headbangers Get the Blues. And the week that this comes out, you'll be releasing your debut LP, the aptly titled Rock Album. Let's go. Speak on it, brother. Yeah. Fuck, there's not much to say. It's just straight up rock and fucking roll. Like, it's it's the yeah, right musical up, equivalent baby. of that Twitter account rock and roll photos. Like, it's oh, actually sweet. not rock music. <laughs> you blend a lot of genres with hard eyes. There's elements of SoundCloud rap. I detect a lot of off-kilter kind of production and... Uh, uh, I hope this doesn't come off as offensive, but sometimes I get the postal service in. Oh, there. I love the postal service. Such great heights, yeah. man. Let's fucking go. Hundred percent. Even man, like I'll even like claim it. Hello, hello, goodbye. I love them. Like seriously, <laughs> I love all that shit unironically, and like I feel like the, the climate that we're in with music right now, it's gone so full circle. Especially we're gonna get into that more with pop punk in this episode. It's like a lot of it has become. 
I guess, normalize in, you know, quote oh, unquote, absolutely. of like being able to make music like that again and like it not be naff, like to a huge degree. It yeah. still is naff, but like yeah. not of what it was probably like six to ten years ago. Like the democratization yeah. of the internet really led to people being able to listen to this music and have it be accepted. But in more recent years, we're seeing the democratization of music making equipment that is allowing people to just make this music and put it out and just seeing the kind of reactions that people are getting yeah it's um yeah. i think it's like really empowering for a lot of people to just be able to um pirate shit than just you know yep, make sure make anything and there's things like splice and stuff where people can upload loops and anyone can make anything is that is that program legit yeah, it is. like i get yeah, instagram yeah. ads for it i'm like yeah. the fuck is it, this it's <laughs> so good there was like this great article about like people who make loops on splice and sell them to rappers and stuff I can't, i'll try and find it but i love that story of that guy that was the assistant manager in a phone store in london who sold his beat to designer and the beat was panda that's crazy didn't do another beat <laughs> i'm glad that this episode is coming out when it does because this episode's soundtrack for Not Another Teen Movie is most notable for genre-bending acts taking on 80 songs. Now, you've just released a cover of When I Grow Up by Garbage, which was noticed by Shirley Manson herself. Yeah. Oh, you got to slide in, my yeah, guy? Yeah, that was crazy. I'm telling you, like, that's a different type of cosign. Like, fuck a rapper cosign. Having Shirley fucking Manson be like... I rock with this. That's crazy. I was beside myself. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> what if you slide in and it's Butch Vig the bold guy? Man, I would. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, like I've got a, like the audacity that I have as a person. Like I would, I would go just off the merit of that like Facebook cosign to go into them and be like, Butch, like hear me out, man. Like fuck with me. I'm this like up and coming producer. Like we got to do something together. Like. I uh, yeah like up. I would do that and like I've been thinking about it but I don't know we'll see see what happens. Just swing I have audacity fences, as well. I am um, I'm recording the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of cool though because like in a way now you're like three degrees away from. Kurt I know. Cobain. Yeah, I always think about shit like that. <laughs> Crazy stuff. And also Adam Sandler. Yeah, right. And and the two oh, tweens, yeah. those, those kids that are on Sweet Life is Zach and Cody. Yeah. yeah, for big daddy. Man, boys. I'm in that world now. Like I'm playing different. Like I'm on, I'm on a different. I got a different bag now. Like, but I'm still oh, humble. Man. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah. Thanks for coming <laughs> down from your ivory tower to record the pod with us, buddy. We really appreciate it. The film we are going to close out this series, "What's My Age Again?" on is one that. I feel is unfairly maligned against your American Pies, your Euro Trips, your Dude, Where's My Cars. It's an entirely different breed of film. We're talking about not another teen movie. The oh, which, mo so, which movie are we talking about? Not another teen movie. <laughs> so which, which teen movie are we talking about? I swear to fucking God, <laughs> you lie down. You got this whole new attitude. And I just left to pick up the fucking pieces. I love it. Play trailer. <laughs> a dream come true it's the moment you've always been waiting for kiss me i love the 
another teen movie. Prepare yourself. Road trip! For a movie that goes where every other teen movie has gone before. I heard there's some undercover reporter posing as a high school student. Uh, do either of you know where Mr. Keller's English class is? Only further. We saw you at our practice, and I know you stole our routine. We've always done our own cheers. Well, then you better bring it. Oh, it's already been brought. We're black. We know it. We take our big booties and show it. Can I get a whoop whoop? Columbia Pictures proudly presents <laughs> the popular jock. Here. Yeah. <laughs> you can keep it. Melanie. Third. The token black guy. I'm just supposed to smile, stay out of the conversation, and say things like, damn, bling, bling, and that is whack. And the cruelest girl in school. I've never even been kissed. Close your eyes and wet your lips. Are you for real? Oh, that is whack. If you like scary movies, who gives a damn? Damn. Not another teen movie. What in God's name's going on in here? We were just sitting here. I don't want to hear it, mister. You just bought yourself another detention. That's not fair. You just got another. Good. You through? No. That's another one. So? You just say the word, I'll keep going. Go. Eeny, meeny, miny. Mo. Your cousin was a... Ho. He was a famous clown. Bobo. I confused. Shut your hole, Wang Chung. <laughs> Right, so Not Another Teen Movie was released in December of 2001 to a country reeling from 9-11, but you wouldn't <laughs> think it from this film that was recorded in the early months of the year. It is the feature film debut for Marvel superstar Chris Evans, Captain America. It also features runs from character actors from Freaks and Geeks, uh, people from the Broken Lizard franchise. It, it's very much of its time. Director Paul Gallen was the guy that originally invented uh, Zoolander with Ben Stiller oh, wow. for the MTV Movie <laughs> Awards. He did all of those sketches. We've talked about them on the pod in the in the past. Yeah. Before memes, you just had to wait a whole year until the MTV Movie Awards just send it up every single movie and pop cultural moment of the past year. Yeah, so you can and see then like, you were just set with memes for the rest ooh. of the year. You can see like Ashton Kutcher and Sean William Scott parody <laughs> The Matrix and th that got you through like the next eight months. And then, you know, next thing you know it's 2007 and a cat wants a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> Now, on top of that, it was produced by Neil H. Moritz, who is a name that might not immediately jump out at you, but his <laughs> films will. <laughs> Al, are you laughing because it, you have no idea who this is? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, if you were going to make a fake name, I feel like... <laughs> Neil it? H. Moritz? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Johnny Potsmoker is my alter ego. You're Smokey McPot. <laughs> Uh, Neil H. Morris got his start as the producer of the I Know What You Did Last Summer franchise. He then went on to make a little film called Fast and the Furious. On top of that, he shepherded the entire fucking Fast and the Furious franchise. He was responsible for the 21 Jump Street reboot. Oh, he awesome. made that Sonic the Hedgehog no, movie great. from last year. <laughs> he's, a, he's a genuine Hollywood super producer. And 2001 would see 
both Not Another Teen Movie and Fast and the Furious, all released within the same 12-month period. Oh, damn. My man was yeah. making money that year. My man, forever. <laughs> that was like the Scott Storch of like, music, of, of, of movies, you know. Dude was like crazy in his prime. Maybe he made yeah. music too. Maybe he was in Gary Sweet's band. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try and describe the plot to you of not another teen movie because it, it's it's stupid to do so it's it's a mashup of she's all that american pie with a little bit of 16 candles and pretty and pink all mixed in <laughs> hey this is what i said before the microphone got turned. <laughs> yeah dumb dumb keep up <laughs> however this film is Fucking incredible! Can we get some? Uh, can we get a round robin going of the of first time bits. you watched uh, um, and and your favorite bit? Al, you go first, baby. Okay, I mentioned Kurt Schwab on our first episode. Friend of the show, Kurt Schwab. I went over to his house. His mum would let us hire any movie we want, and uh, we sat in his nan's granny flat, watching it whilst she was away. Yeah, um, I think she may have died like a week later or something. I mean, I'm not laughing at that. I'm just re- remembering like the context of watching it. Uh, I think at the time, maybe the dump on my chest was my favorite gag. But this rewatch yesterday, the fucking blind albino fucking <laughs> hippie singer absolutely fucking floored me. I have me. no pigment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you uh, stay after the credits? There's a whole extra scene with her. Oh, really? Fuck. No, I like... I So I fell asleep watching it last night and picked it back up this morning just before we recorded. Um, and as soon as the credits came up, I just hit the space bar and <laughs> went about the rest of my morning. <laughs> yeah, if you stay past the credits, uh, you get an extra scene with her where she says that she's now been blinded by the lights and she oh, really wow. needs help funding her way home. Man. You know, the MCU connection, Chris Evans is in it, there's a post credits scene. I mean, you know, see the lights, people. It's all I feel connected. like I Pavlov dogged myself by seeing Chris Evans' face to wait for a post credits scene. <laughs> yeah. I'm that fucked by Marvel movies. They've bent me over a table. Maurice, lay it on me, big dog. I would have definitely been in primary school, so maybe. I think it was 2004, maybe, I first saw it. And similar situation, I used to have this friend who, when I used to sleep over his house, his mum used to let us rent any movie we wanted. I remember we got Clerks 2 and Not Another Teen Movie. And I think my first impression of like watching it, I didn't think it was that funny, but like I definitely understood the references because I was like, gr- like growing up with an older sister, always watching like American Pie and stuff. It was more so like, like parody and the pastiche of the whole thing that I found interesting to, to watch. And I think the funniest scene at the time was that um, Cruel Intentions one where they, they, they hook up. It was like the old woman. And there's like the yeah. abundance of like spit and like, you know, the hyper sensationalism of that scene, um, I think was like the one that stuck out the most to me. But like, I, I've, I've like never gotten into movies like that um like american pie and stuff just because i think they follow the same sort of tropes i've always been more of like someone that's found clerks too and stuff like that more funnier i like yeah. growing up and like re-watching not another team movie like i find it so funny in terms of like how so many movies nowadays have like avoided 
doing a lot of the things that I feel like non-other team maybe would scrutinise in. What about you, Sean? When was your first watch? For me, I have a really distinct memory of the thing about these films when they came out to VHS and DVD was that they all had that same cover, white background with the red text, mm. which made it very easy to be able to sneak this film past your parents. Like, this didn't have a name like American Pie or, like, Hard to Kill or something like that. It was not another teen movie. It sounds genuinely innocuous. Yeah. So I was able to get this past my parents and put it on on a on a really scratch DVD that you couldn't hit pause fast <laughs> enough if they came in. It was pouring fucking rain, like a genuine lightning storm. So I had to turn the volume up to like 70 or 80 on the old Toshiba <laughs> to get it to work. And that I have like my earliest memories of a panic attack watching that opening scene with her with the vibrator <laughs> in the middle of a rainstorm and suddenly like the rain just disappearing and being able to have my parents <laughs> listen to a woman orgasm <laughs> holy shit that's good cinema that was good cinema that scene Absolutely. I think my favorite bit when I was a kid would be Reggie Ray, Ron Lester's character, reprising his role from Varsity Blues as the concussion-prone fat guy um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> football player. And when he, uh, when, he says, when he says to Chris Evans, oh, coach says that ears are supposed to bleed. <laughs> yeah. And then puts his helmet on backwards and walks into a wall. <laughs> Oh, this movie's so good. <laughs> oh, so yeah, there is no no deficit of incredible scenes uh, throughout this film. Another thing that's popped into my head is uh, when the ducky character, like the hopelessly uh, infatuated with the girl but never gets the girl character, is running after oh, her yes. Chris Evans and everyone who's running, nearly running him over is just like, <laughs> you're never going to get her! <laughs> you're, you're, this is not that into you! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stick your tongue! <laughs> like, it was just so good. Man, like, it is like a fucking joke parade. Like, even the stuff that doesn't really land still is still pretty fucking good. Like, there's that just quick sight gag where, um, there's the toilet vent and it literally has, like, a sign saying two teenage <laughs> boys at a time. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Some of the sequences throughout the film are, like Al said, a genuine joke parade. You look at something like Scary Movie from the year before that relied on taking very exact moments from a film and playing them for scatological or increasing the extremity of them to make them funny. Whereas Not Another Teen Movie is happy to just wing it completely on the absurdity of everything that happens. I mean things like Al said, the whole the the two young boys are only allowed an event at one time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eric Christian Olsen's character steals the show when he whispers in her ear and <laughs> says, oh, I didn't actually whisper that she made yeah. it bad. I just told her that I was going to whisper something in her ear. Uh, his character fucking owned. Anytime he says anything, he just goes, ha ha ha, at the end, that evil laugh. It's oh, so he's, good. he's absolutely. Why, the why, didn't fact he, that, 
why didn't he get like his Jews? Like he, I was thinking so the same good. thing. He, I thought he was a bigger star because my favorite film when I was in my early twenties was Beer yeah. Fest by Broken Lizard, oh, yeah. where he Beer plays Fest the Bryce. bad guy. And uh, but he's he was also in that much maligned The Thing prequel slash soft right, reboot yeah. as well. And since then, he's just been happy to be the face of NCIS Los Angeles. Yeah, he did have like a pretty big string of fucking duds. One last joke I, I love is the uh, English teacher. Uh, when the student does the raspberry and the English teacher goes on that tirade that's like, you think that's funny? You think fecal matter and scatological humor is what counts as comedy now? And just the toilet crashing on top of him and okay the diarrhea. slow clap guy just... and that just comes to mind again that that, yeah. that oh. was, that's that's <laughs> like like that was awesome <laughs> or when um chris evans sings janie's yeah. got a gun by aerosmith yeah. and everyone assumes that she uh has got a gun and yeah very pretty soon after, very poignant uh... I, I like it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> A great piece of trivia I read on the IMDb page is that China Lee, who played Janie, the lead character, admits that she was high on cocaine the whole way through filming. Oh wow! <laughs> That's method acting, though. In this. Daniel, da- yeah, Daniel Day Lewis is fucking shaking right now. Oh fuck! No, quickly, one more thing. When her dad is having played by Randy Quaid is having the Nam flashback. And on the table, there are all these pies with holes in them. And, and Chris Evans drops to the floor with Randy Quaid, and next to him is, like, a lettuce with a giant hole in it. There's so many great side games. <laughs> Parodies are really integral as a part of film history for their unique ability to help us forgive ourselves for the silliness that we once took seriously. I mean, this film is really sending up a lot of the more po-faced and dramatic moments of John Hughes films, of 90s films like Reality Bites and Varsity Blues. However, what this film did that Maurice touched on is it laid bare how ridiculous and absurd all of the like the click and class warfare stuff was for these films characters like malik the token black guy who is not enough that he's a token black guy but every time he's on screen he needs to point out how ridiculous his role is and spell it out bit by bit for the character what he's doing the opening sequence with josh radnor from how i met your mother where he says Uh, that yeah (laughs) You know, you're not going to be the person you thought you were. Like, everyone is your friend. And then he just partitions everyone off into slutty girls, losers, and jocks. And the yeah. jocks' letterman jackets just spell out J-O-C-K-S. On them. Yeah. <laughs> like, this film just knows exactly what it's doing at every moment. Yeah. It's <laughs> fucking funny shit, man. <laughs> So Maurice, you were saying you're you're a bit younger than me and Al, so you would have missed a lot of the original wave of uh, American Pie and Dude, Where's My Car? But you would have gotten into high school around the time that films like Superbad, Easy A, and yeah. Mean Girls were hitting that target market for you. Now, those films, I feel like, are influenced by Not Another Teen Movie in that 
they are all have this sense of ironic detachment about them that means that the class warfare and the clickiness of everything about high school is all on complete display like mean girls has got more in common with not another teen movie than it does yeah. with say 16 candles no i agree i feel like i feel like not another teen movie kind of it set the precedent of where teen movies should go and but like what they shouldn't do because they've they're scrutinizing yeah. what has happened in the past like through the 80s and 90s and they've like hyperbolized and made fun of it and i feel like they set this like precedent of being like if you're gonna make a teen movie kind of don't do what we do in this like these are the tropes of certain character arcs and you know um, how a storyline kind of flows don't do this kind of go outside the box or create a new sort of like like storyline or like that sort of thing and I feel like Mean Girls and Superbad kind of just took the best parts of certain characters and then like made a more yeah. contemporary version for like what was happening with the whole mobile phone craze and you know social when social media and everything mm -hmm. was starting and it moved the clickiness onto digital spaces free access to pornography yeah and yeah and like the whole normalization and desensitization <laughs> of um kids accessing like violent and like hypersexual stuff on the internet so that's when you have people like mclovin yeah yeah that's that's really sorry when you have people like mclovin who are just completely obsessed with sexuality and like losing their virginity it's like it's not so much a tr like copying the tropes of you know your typical hopeless virgin like the guy in not another teen movie um who's like obsessed with the girl it's more so like in a really a very like misogynistic character you oh know? Yeah. Like, i feel like it's done it, and i don't know if they were aware of that like the people super bad were like let's make this super misogynistic character called mclovin or maybe in the period of time that it came out it was like this is just how teen dudes are and they're different from being hopeless romantics like they were in the 80s yeah. which was parodying on another teen movie and now that because they're so desensitized by what they see on the internet they're just like completely fucking like red-pilled you know um yes yeah, absolutely yeah. speak and, on it my brother and, and, I, and i feel like in super bad as well their behavior is definitely influenced from watching those shitty frat boy movies where it is uh, kind of and, and subverting the whole we need to lose our virginity yeah. before college kind of thing like you know the characters are very clearly uh media savvy you know like jonah hill wears a fucking richard Pryor shirt and there's all the cool shit all around their uh, bedrooms and stuff but yeah i mean i love Superbad so much and i i, I saw it like the day it came out and that was the year i finished school and just i remember being like wow finally this is this is more or less like a biopic for me and mm. then 13 or 14 years since its release like even though i still love it and think it's hilarious it's, i it really makes me cringe to think how, like how much i really identified with a lot of the shit that, I, that those characters are doing well that's really <laughs> why i wanted to close on not another teen movie to close out this chapter of what's my age again arrested development in the cinema of pop punk because the films that influence like super bad 
uh, the writers of Superbad and the kids that were acting in that, like Jonah Hill and uh, Michael Cera, they would have grown up watching Not Another Teen Movie and American Pie more so than they would have the, the 80s films like Maurice mentioned. And that's what's kind of led to this kind of arrested development that the tropes on display there that were in originally parodies of the hopeless virgin losers that were pushed to the extreme by American Pie and Eurotrip as these kind of like hypersexual, you know, hypersexualized characters are now what they think is how they're supposed to act yeah. as young men. Yeah, and I feel like for a large portion of the male I want to say fan base? No, demographic? No, species. No, not even that. <laughs> the male sex? Bodies. Bodies and spaces. Let's go with it, baby. Uh, deconstruct the club. <laughs> That's still how they're thinking. But enough about yeah. that for the moment. Let's talk about the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack is fucking pretty fantastic. It really... I, I don't know if it did set the template for it, but... Uh, Maurice, I'm not sure if you ever listened to like the punk goes yeah, compilations, yeah, yeah. like you know punk the goes punk goes acoustic and shit, punk goes eighties, punk goes crunk. I really feel like it laid that template. It, the soundtrack itself is uh, kind of not just new metal, but pop punk acts uh, at the time covering like the eighties fucking classics that would appear in the films that they are parodying. There's the, the Marilyn Manson cover, Tainted Love, which I feel gave that song its, like, third life. I mean, even yeah, now, that's still a fucking... Cell, that really brought it back again. Yeah, like, I really... That's, that cover still holds up so much. Um, but Never Let Me Down Again by Depeche Mode, uh, being covered by the Smashing Pumpkins. Bit uh, of trivia. The chords to Never Let Me Down Again by Depeche Mode, as played by the Smashing Pumpkins is also the same chords to Malibu by Hole, which Billy Corgan oh, right. actually wrote. Oh, well, cool. <laughs> I think there's the weirdest cover I thought was the uh, the Muse cover of the Smith song, yeah. Please, Please, Please Let Me yeah. Get What I Want. Oh, it, and it sucks so yeah. fucking bad. They made it like a Queen song. It's so fucking shit, Alice. Oh, my God. But, um, Bellamy with the chaos pad on his guitar yeah. playing shit backwards. Man, I, I want to fucking that was stab so that cool. guy. <laughs> <laughs> all of the diegetic music, is that the right word I'm using? You know what I mean. Like, all of the actual songs from the 80s as well, like... You know, they play the original recording of Let's Go by the Cars. The Phantom Planet cover of Somebody's yeah. Baby is oh, so close good, right? to the original that it might as well have been the original. Yeah, but I, I really thought the soundtrack... I mean, as a compilation album, it still holds up really well, which I was pleasantly surprised by. Like, you messaged me, I think, yesterday afternoon saying, make sure you listen to the soundtrack and i went out for a drive last night and just listened to it and i, I was honestly I just uh drive. yeah <laughs> i wrote out man <laughs> i had so many thoughts no i think it's really like quite a great document of what was happening i think in culture this. in general like i think like it was, it was just that, like i think that period totally. of like the dot-com era of like 99 to 2002 before 9-11 sorry 99 to probably september 2001 was such an era of security for American people. Yeah. And there yeah, was like totally. so I feel like people were just the kind of, of reappropriating things and like 
that's I guess what sparked the like popularity of new metal and like a lot of these parody sort of films is because like there's like really nothing else to do in America during that time like everything was kind of perfect you know yeah yeah 1000 absolutely sean kind of touched on that um for uh how dude where's my car dude where's my car how like a film like that could just never be made again because you know that was as you said pre 9-11 everything's fucking great right now so we have nothing to worry about there's no reason any statements of any kind like the worst thing that could ever happen is that you piss off your girlfriend yeah yeah Yeah, exactly and which i mean that those are still three things i'm terrified of happening (laughs) now i mean for new metal uh acts like marilyn manson had covered 80 songs like sweet dreams earlier in an ironic fashion Mm. limp biscuit had an early single with a cover of faith by george michael so it was already like in the consciousness of new metal to do these ironic appropriate of culture mm. specifically 80s pop culture on top of that uh 1995 would see members of no effects and lag wagon come together as me first and the gimme gimmies i'm sorry if you've forgotten that that exists the dude in Foo, the dude from the foo fighters was uh, in that dude. wasn't he the guitarist with yeah the chris, Scott, chris uh, whatever yeah the foo fighters are on the soundtrack as well foo Fight, uh, can we just like get around robin favorite foo fighters song generator fuck uh D-O-A or generator 100 percent. that fucking <laughs> talk box at the start or aurora oh yeah fuck yeah man that, that <laughs> album um nothing what is it nothing left to lose no it's um yes there is nothing what's left that to 99 lose? album that album is like literally perfect yeah maurice All you're right. like four degrees away from dave Grohl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's crazy <laughs> for me my favorite fooies fuck dude i gotta go with either doa or resolve those songs yeah L- later period but or mid-period fooies but fuck bro they rock actually going back real quickly as like a a footnote to this conversation like when we're speaking of like the era of 99 to 2001 and like pop punk and i guess like i guess like music for movies i feel like that's how a lot of bands that were popular at the time that were making stuff for movies like look at the look at the track list that we have in front of us for this soundtrack like they were made for specifically this movie and you look at a song like breakout by Foo Fighters, which was made for me, myself, and Irene. It's it's so perfect because like all the film clips were like kind of based off the movie as well. Like you had cameos from characters, or you had scenes of like those movies inside the film clip for these big songs, which were massive singles for these bands. So I think that's also another important footnote for that era of like what we're talking about is how a lot of yeah. the music made was specifically for the movies it wasn't like a music supervisor going hey let's take this song of yours and put it as part of you know the soundtrack or whatever but it's a very canny decision on behalf of the music supervisor for this film to do what they did with this soundtrack because it meant that this film would go on to be an absolute smash fucking hit Al, you were saying it made something back like nine times its budget? <laughs> I think I, I, got, I got that wrong. I think it All might right. have been like 60. 15 mil made back 65. So that's uh... that's at least six times its budget. Okay. Do not quote me on that. I ain't no science bitch. I don't I thought it was know like, math. I thought it was like a $6 million budget and it made it back like... But yeah, anyway, my maths was far out and wrong. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, what Al touched on with the pump 
goes pop compilations pop. is that <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about the pub i'm thinking about going to the UFC after this um yeah is that this soundtrack would be a touchstone for those punk goes pop compilations and for pop punk going forward bands like a day to remember and the devil wears prada and all those easy core bands would really get their start off these ironic appropriations of popular music. And on top of that, the modern pop-punk era that we find ourselves in over the past five to ten years or so has really taken this ironic spin of knowing almost how ridiculous and persecuted pop-punk is, but really just like honing in on that as a way to like sell itself to its fans like i think the biggest example is the pop punk band man overboard with their famous hoodies they sold to fend pop punk oh uh, yeah so i guess where we're really trying to wrap up with all this is that this film was so pivotal in closing a chapter on 80s John Hughes movies on, and even just kind of uh, pointing out the ridiculousness of the American Pie films in that it closed the chapter in a way that everything moving forward would always be inspired by this and that no new words could be written on things like teen films in the past. It also would serve as inspiration for the ironic detachment for both films, pop punk music moving forward, and for the man children that grew up watching this film. You know, it turned them into hypersexualized morons. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And I feel like like with going forward with where pop punk went after I guess like if you say like the first wave of pop punk like bands like Mest which are on this um, soundtrack um, or bands like Good Charlotte or whatever they were kind of like pop punk was like pretty jock it was pretty like frat boy shit you know Um, it was kind of more like suburbs yeah and like then you go forward and that now like when you had movies like Superbad come out where like the the intentions are more like apparent of like each of the male characters it kind of made the music archetype go reverse like it keep going with me on this like it's get big pretty big brain shit but no no i i I totally get where you're coming from it's like the characters in the like not another teen movie or like those fucking teen movies like you always had the hopeless romantic kid but would listen to pop punk and the pop punk dudes would be jock guys like Eurotrip or whatever like Scotty doesn't know like pop punk band with a fucking alpha Matt Damon singing about how he smashes this dude's girlfriend yeah and the dude gets you know super upset and you know is a hopeless romantic and then what's happened is after that like when Superbad's come out you have the bands being like this fucking nerdy dorky you know eat pizza fucking glasses wearing skinny white dudes in the suburbs but they still treat women like but shit. exactly and like... yeah and that's what it's become it's like even it was so apparent musically with bands like crass and what they were speaking about and then you got bands like man overboard that are just like gaslighting you know <laughs> yeah like do bands of the ex-girlfriend core genre like the story so far that pay lip service to bands like Blink-182's Hard on the Sleeve 
tributes to their uh, their girlfriends and being lost in love that take it in this extreme nihilistic misogynist spin about you know my girl ex-girlfriend was a whore do those bands exist without this like american pie arms race of constantly escalating the tension i agree and it's it's interesting to see like where the the catalyst in that was of like where culture shifted in that way and like what kind of made a regression in terms of like attitudes for suburban white males i guess in america and like how then that i guess like inculcated itself into the music i actually do you guys know where like where that would have happened where that turning point would have been we we've touched on it a bit in this podcast series we've done in that we feel that the opening salvo would be the these films but i think the point at which men became completely lost and hopeless and just you know there's no turning back from this moment is probably the moment that al bates turned 18 (laughs) 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 look we'll we'll leave it up to the listeners if you i'm i'm gonna make a case for tomcats because that film is just really crass and kind of normalized a lot of the really fucking disgusting behavior that would kind of become ingrained in uh, the male psyche during the noughties I that think Euro trip. I want to say the Judd Apatow films, where yeah, yeah, he true. normalized the idea that it was okay to be a man child because secretly yeah. you're sensitive, and someone's yeah. going to see that at the end of and the day. And all women are shrill and annoying. <laughs> yeah, I think that we're still living in a post Apatow yeah. world. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing about observational comedy. You know, it's uh, sometimes the truth just lingers, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Very based. But yeah, it's kind of kind of fucked up how much those Judd Apatow movies really. You know, I'm obviously uh, a victim to that the influence of those films. Like when they came out, they just spoke to me because of all the cultural references. And would you believe I was a bit of a schlubby teenager? So <laughs> now with retrospect, it's like this is this weird, insidious MRA fucking. <laughs> Uh, manifesto but yeah i don't know i agree maybe i think maybe the apatow films where they they secretly solidified a lot of the misogyny that those films kind of but the, the other crappy crass college films hinted at yeah we'll leave it up to the listeners to decide if you think we have crossed past a new rubicon of at the apatow world into something darker and more insidious Please fire off on the socials. Maurice will let you go. I know you're chomping at the beat to see Usman Let's versus go. Masvidal, as am I. Let's fucking go. This this will be out the week of your new album, Rock Album, will be yes, released. Sir. Where can we find you on the internet, Big um, Dog? Instagram at softbodyheartthrob. At... <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if that name now, after the conversation we had, is like a, a subconscious, like response to the 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 judd era that we're living in yeah. don't think about it too much big dog it's and very then, uh, funny hard, hard eyes rules on twitter that's usually where I, I speak i speak a lot there i just scream to the void next month we are looking at another 
man-children domain, we're looking at the video game adaptations of You Bowl. Horrifying, ridiculous, <laughs> low-budget, <laughs> disgusting nightmares. Fucking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to close out today. Uh, Heart Eyes has gifted us specifically for the recording of this podcast. Maurice, you want to tell us what uh, I've got? made a... I guess it's like an 80s sort of new disco indie dance version of the Metro by System of a Down which was on the um, which was on the soundtrack which I think was probably my favourite because it was like the most like non System of a Down sounding song like so you know that the Metro by System of a Down is the cover of the 80s synth pop hit The Metro by Berlin of Take My Breath Away fame oh wow and you've covered the System of a Down version and turned it back full circle into a synth pop <laughs> yeah. song I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do yeah. it, baby. Let's fucking go. I